Welcome to Walking in Faith with Pastor Rob Currington. This podcast is dedicated to helping develop lifelong seekers of the Kingdom of God. Each week, Pastor Rob helps bring God's message for living to those seeking a richer and more Christ-filled life. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he shares this week's message. Every year, about this time, there always seems to be articles that try to convince us that Jesus never existed. He did not exist. However, both secular and Christian historians will all agree that Jesus was born. But in here we see he was born in real world. He was born in a real city, Bethlehem, in a real world. And he was born as the Savior to take away our guilt. He was born also called the Christ, who's the anointed one, to fill all the hopes of the Israelites and the Jews who were looking for that promised one. And he's also the Lord, meaning he's God. He's able to defeat all of our enemies as a Lord and King of a kingdom. He's able to make us safe and satisfy us forever. However, as you and I read our newspapers, our daily newspapers, and watch our evening news, or even peruse our social media, peace is not a word that we would use to describe our world, would it? Not today. There's fear about terrorism, fear about refugees and who may be coming in with them. There's fear of the spread of ISIS or ISIL. There's fear of nuclear war with Iran or North Korea. There's fear of global warming. Out of the hibernation wakes the Russian bear that renews the old fears of the Cold War. Peace seems far away. It seems like an elusive dream. Did not the angels proclaim that peace is here now that Christ was born? And we may even remember that song in the King James Version where it says, Peace on earth, goodwill towards man. But once again, I'd like you to look at verse 14. When a multitude suddenly of angels says, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. And what we need to recognize as we see that there's two things happening in this verse. And it's not necessarily talking about a national, regional type of peace. There's two things that are happening in verse 14. The first one is that God is glorified in the birth of Jesus. It says, glory to God in the highest, they were proclaiming. The purpose of the good news is that God is glorified in the birth of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the anointed one of God, the child of promise. And we say, well, why is it that they're even coming to proclaim this? Why is it that Jesus is here? Why are they proclaiming the good news, evangelizing, so to speak? The angels were the first evangelists. The shepherds were the first missionaries, so to speak. What is the good news? Why does it need to come? Well, it's been said, evangelism and missions exist because worship does not. You see, God created us with a desire that we would love Him. And that He would be the supreme object of our admiration. That with Him, that we would look and find our joy and find our peace. However, you and I know that that did not last long. For the fall came. Our first parents, Adam and Eve, fell into sin. And with that sin has now come to each and every one of us. So missions and evangelism exist. The birth of Christ, the reason we celebrate, is because God is desiring worshipers. That's what Jesus says. God goes through heaven and earth looking for those who would worship Him. And so the angels are proclaiming the good news is God is worth the glory. 
The angels were praising God because Jesus was born. The ESV Study Bible notes that the angels proclaimed the news about Jesus. He's the eternal, omnipotent Son of God. He is just taking the form of a servant. He was being born in the likeness of man. Emmanuel, God with us. For the fullness of time and now come. And God has sent forth His Son who was born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law. John MacArthur writes that they knew that there would come a Savior who while maintaining perfect righteousness and holiness would also bear our sin. You see, they were praising God and giving God the glory because God is faithful to His promises. Amen? God is faithful to His promises. The promise that began in Genesis 3 with the fall and the promise of a Savior is now fulfilled thousands of years later. The anointed one of God is born. The Messiah, they were seeing God's grace. They were seeing God's mercy. And they were seeing God's faithfulness. And for you and I, when we experience God's mercy and God's grace, when we see in the relationships always that we have with each other and family and friends, but it's found in the one who is the giver of all these good gifts. How would you feel as you give your children's presence? Many of you have done that. You give your children presents and they open up the presents. They're so excited and, and many times we parents get forgotten in the process. But at the end of the day, who is it that they're going to hug and give a kiss to? To their parents. Now they may put that toy or that favorite object in bed with them and sleep with them. I don't know if you've ever had that type of thing where they just love it so much. But in the end, that present isn't the end all, is it? It just represents your love for your children. How would you feel if at the end of the day... They neglected to give you any thanks. They neglected to give you any praise. They neglect to give you any love. But yet you and I, in this world, we stand in the same way. And so the angels remind us that God, glory to God in the highest. See, God is glorified in the birth of Jesus for it reflects His love, His mercy, His grace, and His faithfulness. The second thing we see in this verse is that now peace is extended in the birth of Jesus. It goes on, on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. What's interesting, as glory comes up from us to him, he extends peace down to you and I. The peace of salvation that God gives comes through his son. Jesus is the prince of peace that was prophesied and we read of earlier in our call to worship in Isaiah 9, verse 6. But we must ask that question. There is peace extended but that peace is not for everyone. And that all of a sudden becomes kind of a stumbling block. We need to recognize, for he says, it's peace among those with whom he is pleased. But what does that mean? What does peace among those whom he is pleased mean? And it's important for you and I during this Christmas season to understand who that is for. The Greek literally says, men of his good pleasure. This reflects actually the same words used in Luke 3, 22 where God the Father says about Jesus at His baptism, You are my beloved Son. With you, I am well pleased. You see, God's gift of peace will come not to all of humanity, and this is something important. This is something that you and I must understand to be strengthened, to be encouraged during this Christmas season. It's that God's gift of peace will not come to all of humanity, but only to those to whom God is pleased to call to Himself. 
You see, peace only comes to those who submit to God's rule and the lordship of Jesus. Just as peace comes to a kingdom because of the king who brings the peace, who secures the peace, and only those that are within the realm and the walls of that kingdom experience that peace, and those outside may not. In the same way, God is calling all of his children and say, come to me. We've been speaking about the kingdom quite a bit in Mark. And God has been calling us to the kingdom. He says, come, come and follow me. Pick up your cross and deny yourself and come follow me. And all who come to his kingdom, he says, will find peace. A heart bent on showing the glory of God will know the peace of God. And that's where we stand within the fall, though. Because our heart is truly bent on glorifying ourselves, are we not? on glorifying something other than God. And we wonder, why is there no peace in my life? Why is there no peace in our land? Why is there no peace in our nation, in my relationship, in my family, with my husband and my wife? Where is your heart bent towards? Peace comes to those whose heart is bent to God, showing and displaying the glory of God through their lives. John MacArthur writes that God is pleased with the people who yield their lives to Him. It should be no wonder for us if we shake our fists and our swords at the supreme almighty being of the universe that we find no peace. He goes on to say the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear Him, he tells us in Psalms, in those who hope in His mercy. When the angels proclaimed peace on earth, they were speaking primarily of a very personal Individual application of God's peace that grows out of a first-hand knowledge of the Prince of Peace. But you and I can experience that type of peace in our own hearts only when we submit to Him. We can come together as a body of believers and we can experience it here in God's church when we come to seek and to serve each other. And a family can do so when they're united in a heart that's bent to displaying the glory of God in their marriage and in their family. Colossians chapter 1 tells us, For in Him, speaking of Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. You see why peace is so elusive to you and I in our own lives, and not only in our own lives, but with God, is because there is a chasm between you and I. This time, we are not all children of God. We may all be creations and creatures of God, but we are not all His children. The Bible says God knows who His children, He's calling them to Him. And you and I are being called to that. And that's the calling I'm asking you to respond to this morning. Would you be a child of God? And he says, those to whom be his child, be his children, there's peace. So the angels are praising God because he has chosen to delight in bringing salvation peace to sinners. And this is important. When they're singing glory to God and peace among men, they're not speaking of a national or a regional peace, but of a salvation peace, that peace that comes that we're no longer enemies of God. We're no longer rebellious against God. For Ephesians tells us that we're dead in our trespasses and sin. Isaiah tells us that all we like sheep have gone astray and we've turned everyone to his own way. The Bible tells us that none seek after God. None desire to do good. 
Romans even goes on to tell us that we've taken the things of God and we've twisted them and we've perverted them and we've made other things God. So the peace that they're crying out here, the peace that's extended through Jesus Christ, is that olive branch that says, I will reconcile man to myself. It's God himself who says, I am suing for peace. I am going to make peace available to you and I. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. But the question is, believe in what? How is joy and peace found in believing? What do I have to believe in? Scripture tells us that you believe that Jesus is the Lord, the Anointed One, the Savior. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you may be saved, the Scripture tells us. That is our hope. One theologian notes that Jesus has come to inaugurate peace among God's people. And there are three relationships in which He wants you to pursue this peace and enjoy this peace. It's good to know that this peace is not just for individualists but it also extends itself in so many ways. It extends with peace with God, peace with our soul and soul, and peace with other people. You see, the peace among whom he's well pleased means that we now have peace with God. Romans 5 tells us since we've been justified or been made right by faith. In other words, we've not been made right by doing good. We've not been made right by going to church and giving and tithing and doing all sorts of good things, but be made right by God, by our faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. No longer does Scripture say, for those that are His children, does He call us enemies, but He calls us friends. He calls us children. No longer are we rebellious. No longer are we considered the objects of His wrath, but objects of mercy. He says, but God shows His love for us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Here's the good news. There's really nothing that you can do to make yourself right with God. For God has done it all. He has sent His Son to die for us, to bear our sins, and to give us His righteousness. And then He just comes and He calls. He says, would you come follow me? Would you come follow me? Would you repent of your sin and turn and follow me? Would you trust in what I've done? For Christ has died for us. And he goes on to say, we also rejoice. We give joy in God. We worship God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. You say, wait a second, what do you mean reconciliation with God? Why do I need to have anything reconciled? Reconcile is that word that means balance. You know, like you talk about your checkbook, you need to put everything in balance. Why would I need to balance anything out with God? I don't have a problem with God. I believe in God. I'll go to his church, I, I, I give, I, I do all these wonderful things, I even pray. You've heard me say it before. You may not have a problem with God, but God does have a problem with you. For we are all born in sin. And the Bible says, and this is tough for a Christmas message, but we are the objects of his wrath. And one day he will come. And it will be poured out on you and I. God says, I'm extending peace. No longer do we need to be at war with each other. And he's asking you, would you come to the table? All things have been provided for you. Just come. Just come. 
For he made our sake, he made him, speaking of Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let me ask, would you like to have peace with God? Would you like to have God on your side? Would you like to be the one with whom he is pleased? The Bible extends that. That's the Christmas gift. It's the greatest gift. It's the only gift that you and I truly, truly need. For without it, we are without hope. We are without anything. And nothing can fill that. It's called the great exchange. You've heard of a gift exchange. But in this great exchange, we see that if anyone is in Christ, that the old has passed away and we become a new creation. And that God has reconciled us to Himself and He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. So you may be sitting here and saying, what gift do I need to give anyone? What gift could I give the one I love? What gift could I give to my coworker? It's the ministry of reconciliation. Hey, God has made it so you don't have to be at war with yourself and with your family and most importantly with God. For our sake, He made Him to be sin, who knew no sin. In other words, there's a great exchange. God takes our sin and He gives us Christ's righteousness, a gift that is much greater than anything that we could ever do. So we have a peace with God. That's the peace that was extended to us on that Christmas day. The second peace is peace with ourselves. And this is something that you and I need because there are so many people at war with themselves and among themselves. You can see the turmoil that people have within themselves. Let me ask you, has there ever been a time that you've looked in the mirror and you did not like, you did not like the person that you saw? Are the biggest arguments you have is with the person in the mirror? Is the person you judge the harshest the one that you share a body with? Yeah. And many times our sin and our guilt comes in and it destroys us. Even myself this week, I struggled with that. Some ways in which I blew it and I couldn't even get sleep. I just, I have to, how do I make this right? And I, I mean, it seems like they just can't get it right within ourselves. But he tells us in Philippians, he says, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known. Be made known to God. And he gives us this promise. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's no need for you and I to live in fear. There's no need for you and I to live with worry. There's no need for you and I to live with anxiety. There's no reason for you and I to live with regret and the shame and the guilt that lies so heavily on us. I think some of you know what I'm talking about. Maybe even experiencing that now. For God says, I can make you a new creation, a new creature. I think that's one of the wonderful gifts of it all that I no longer have to say they're an accused. The Bible says there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I'm the greatest condemner of myself. I don't need you to judge me. I judge myself much harshly than you ever will. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Do some of you know? Some of you experience it, you're worrying it, you feel like you don't make enough money, you feel like you haven't made right decisions, you're paralyzed with fear and what's to go on. But the Bible tells us that we can have peace with ourselves. There's no need no longer 
to fear. Then thirdly, peace with others. Romans, I love this verse. It says, if possible, so far it depends on you, live peaceably with all. What is he saying? Is that it may be possible to live in peace with each other. But he says, as who is it qualified? Who does it depend on? You. You got problems in your marriage? You got problems with your relationships? You got problems at work? Now there is some hope there. That sometimes it is not possible. Do you have some of those people in your life that you just say, it is impossible to live at peace with them? But we see that happening so much. And what we need to realize is that it says, if possible, as is possible with you, live at peace with others. You and I need to pursue peace with others and in our relationship. I had a problem with that yesterday. I blew it big time yesterday. And I finally had to go to someone and I just said, you know what, I need to make this right. And it still bothers me to this day. I don't know if it'll ever be right. But you know what, we need to seek to understand people. We need to love them. Many times that's the struggle that we have. And see, many times you think, how in the world could I live at peace with those people that rub me the wrong way every time? And they do it on purpose. And I try to avoid them. I try to be kind to them. I try to do all that I can. But yet there's going to be people in your life, there's going to be people around you that many times you cannot live at peace. However, the Bible is telling us that He can give you the peace or the power to do so. It's found in Ephesians. He says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away among you along with all malice. But be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And you say, wait a second, how in the world can I be tenderhearted? How can I be kind to one another? How can I forgive this person? You don't understand them. You don't know my neighbor. You don't know my husband. You don't know my boss. So on and so forth. It's the end of the verse. If it's glory to God in the highest and peace among men, among those whom He is well pleased, He says, do this as God in Christ has forgave you. Let me tell you, when God chose you and gave you His peace, you were not worth it. There was nothing within you that God looked and said, this person deserves my mercy and my grace. If so, then mercy and grace is not even involved. It's just something that you've earned. Amen? So let's set this up. There is nothing special about you. I'm sorry, this is not a safe healing place right here. And I'm not speaking of my own opinion, though I could speak of my own opinion of myself. The Bible says that God gives His peace to us because He's forgiven us and He's loved us. And he says, now take that olive branch that I have given you, that ministry of reconciliation, that peace, and share it. Why? So that you and I may glorify and worship together. How can two walk together unless they agree? And you and I could forget a lot of things that happened on this earth if you and I could just keep our focus this is what the angels were doing to the shepherds? Interrupting their life, interrupting their schedule, interrupting what they were doing, and saying, wait a second, glory to God in the highest. Why? Because God is extending His peace through His Son. God interrupts human history, 
in a very real, supernatural, miraculous way. And you and I are celebrating that this season. You see, the prophetic message of Christmas is the good news of God's answer to all the confusion, the chaos, the complexities, and conflicts of life. It is the gift of the newborn infant who is also the father of all eternity. He is an innocent child, yet he is also a wise counselor and mighty king. He is God with us. He is Emmanuel. This Christmas, would you consider this wonderful promise of Christ and how he has fulfilled these rich prophecies in your life through his saving, sanctifying, and sustaining work? Would you today glorify God because you have experienced his faithfulness, his love and his grace and mercy and the extension of his peace because he's looked upon you and says, I am pleased with you. Not based on what we've done, but based on what Christ has done. Luke 2 tells us this, For unto you is born in this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. There's two ways for you to respond to this message this morning. One, would you rejoice and give worship in the gift of grace given to us as children of God? And would you now extend that peace to others? Would you live it out, working out your salvation in fear and trembling as it says? Not working for it, but working out that muscle, extending that peace to those around you and sharing with them the gospel? Would you rejoice and worship in that? Would you join the angels and the shepherds in worshiping the Almighty? And number two, if you're here this morning and you're not sure if God is well pleased with you, if you're not sure if you're a child of God, if you feel like that peace is far from you, would you pray for the grace to be given to you? Would you cry out and say, Father, choose me. Father, let me be your son. Would you cry out, Father, I desire that peace. And I assure you that if you cry with that type of faith, that He will come down and embrace you as His Father, and that peace will overwhelm you. Would you do so today? That's the Christmas gift that's worth giving and sharing. Let's put every head bowed and every eye closed. Just give you take a moment, if you would, and just consider what the Word has for us. Would you today, are you worshiping? Are you living out the peace? Are you a child of God who is still struggling because your life seems in turmoil? Give it to Him. Recognize the peace that He gives you. And would you cry out this morning, Lord, give me a greater abundance of your peace. Father, you are a good God. Glory to God in the highest. Let that be our song. Let that be our mantra this week. Let us have a, an extra bounce in our step. Lord, let us be willing to extend peace, even in the, the mall parking lot as we're struggling for a parking space, as we're driving through and, and as we're dealing with those at work, as the pressures of the season just bear upon us and we're reminded of those that we've lost. Father, those things in which we fear, the things in which guilt and shame still comes and compresses and hurts our lives, Lord, extend your peace. Let us embrace your peace. And Lord, Father, let us also be willing to extend it and share that gift with others. For glory be to God in the highest. May we worship you, for you are worthy of all glory and honor and worship.
We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this week's Walking in Faith podcast. We encourage you to share this podcast with others in order to help spread God's message to all those in need. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Email us at walkinginfaith at orangevilla.org. You can help us spread this podcast by writing a review at iTunes. And don't forget to visit us online at orangevilla.org. There you will find more information about our ministry, as well as share your thoughts, submit prayer requests, and find out how you can help others to grow in God's love. Until next week, may God bless you in everything you do.